Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to Don Rom. We've got another monologue podcast. I am your solo host. Uh, no Don with me on these, of course. Uh, my name is Bo. Uh, Don is still on the podcast. We're almost to the end of Xenogears. So for those of you that have been enjoying Xenogears, uh, I'm sorry, but all good things must come to an end. Those of you who haven't enjoyed Xenogears, how could you? <laughs> it's like our funnest one we've ever done. I love it. I'm going to be very sad to end Xenogears. Uh we're uh, hotly debating a follow-up to it. It's, uh, but what do you do? You know, what what took Friends' time slot when it was canceled? What's going to take The Simpsons? You know, what, what do you do with that? Um, uh, again, uh, as we continue to deal uh, nationally and indeed globally with COVID-19, um, nurses continue to take center stage in the news. Uh, I've mentioned it several times before. My own wife is a nurse, and uh, even she has checked out uh, this ad, because as I stated in a Xenogears podcast, I would not endorse a product that I myself do not find useful. Not being a nurse, I can't. So I asked my wife, and uh, she did, and uh, she enjoyed it. Uh, Ashley Luann K on Instagram. A link to her Instagram profile will be in the description of this video podcast, or uh, however, I guess video or uh, podcast, the only two ways you'll be watching this, both. Yes, so uh, a, a link, and uh, we do strongly encourage you to uh, check that out. Again, um, my wife, who's been a nurse in an ICU, a cardiovascular ICU for five years, um, she has told me that she has enjoyed the content greatly, uh, education, lifestyle, that sort of thing. Uh, Ashley Luann K, on, uh, and that K is K-A-Y, not the initial K. Why would you initial your last name? Um, so check her out. Absolutely. And, uh, I got shared the other day. Um, I, uh, well, I hope I was shared. Uh, I hope everyone's sharing me, but, uh, I, something was shared with me the other day, a, uh, article in Forbes magazine. And you guys already know how I feel about these business magazines. Talk about video games. Um, I just, I, you know, in my day, in my day, you didn't see a guy with a coffee at Starbucks reading the Wall Street Journal and reading a game review, okay? It's not how it worked in my day, and um, I'll be dogged if I live in America where it happens. But I do, so I guess I'm dogged. Uh, and uh, whatever that means. But it was about, and I hate, diminishing returns. Don't use your stupid business terms with video games, okay? It is an art, all right? Um... The uh, we, we don't need you sellouts, man. Uh, but anyway, diminishing returns on this next generation of console. Uh, the uh, I don't want to say Forbes magazine as a whole. It's, of course, a whole publication. I don't know if this guy's a freelance writer or if he's staff or what. I didn't bother to look at his or her, sorry, name. And uh, it, it'll pine that we're not going to be as excited about this next generation because it's not going to be that much of a step forward in technology. And the truth is it really hasn't been for quite a while. It really hasn't been. We haven't really needed it. And uh, so these graphics aren't going to impress us. And the article used the jump from the uh, fourth generation of video game consoles to the fifth. So that is the uh, 16-bit era to the 64 and 32-bit era. From the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo to the Sony PlayStation and Nintendo 64. Anyone who was... I was... Nine, ten years old when that transition happened. Anyone in that age group will tell you, absolutely the most mind blowing change ever. But I'm going to tell you that I don't think it was the graphics. I don't think it was the graphics that absolutely blew our minds. And I'm going to get to what I mean by that. Or the graphics in the sense that you think a visual, uh, a, a an impressive visual rendering on the screen. I don't think that's what impresses about this. 
I think what impressed us about this jump was the different gameplay elements that could be added to the games. I don't think it was the graphics at all. I disagree with the idea that people love a game just because it's got jaw-dropping, realistic graphics. Because we haven't had those, arguably, until just this past year with Death Stranding. Until Death Stranding, I had not seen a video game that looked that lifelike in normal gameplay. And, uh, and I mean, genuinely lifelike. The humans looked real, all that, like, real. Like, they're actually being filmed real. I had not seen that. And uh, so, anyway, back to the point I'm making. I think when people say they enjoy the graphics in a game, because, you know what? If you're reviewing Disco Elysium or Super Meat Boy or uh, Shantae, uh, I'm, I'm a big Shantae fan. Uh, love those uh, half genie hero games. Um, but uh, if you're reviewing games like that, you might tell someone you enjoy the graphics in it, it because you mean the graphics by the visual representation on the screen of elements. And those are enjoyable graphics. You enjoy, uh, you you know, the entire world enjoyed the movie Frozen. I don't think the people in Frozen look real. <laughs> they don't at all. They they are quite clearly cartoon characters. So what you mean is that these have been artistically rendered. That's what you mean when you say you like good graphics. I don't think you mean the most impressive, like, uh, graphics capabilities. I don't think that's what people mean. Maybe some people do. And uh, what impressed me about graphics is the work and detail that go into them, which, of course, you could put as much work and detail in a cartoony representation of something as you can in a realistic one. And uh, that's what I think people mean. So... As far as diminishing return, because I don't know anyone that's not hype about the Xbox One Series X or the PlayStation 5, one of the two. We're all very excited. Uh, PlayStation, Sony is finally jumping on that uh, backwards compatibility bandwagon. So all the stuff you've bought on your PlayStation Network account for over 10 years now will finally pay off. You'll have a repository where it's all available tentatively. That's what we're being told. That's awesome. That's incredible. I have spent a lot. Um, the advent of being able to buy and download games digitally onto your home console revolutionized the way I bought video games because I hate going out. I hate it. I would much rather just pay it, play another game while it's downloading, and play it from there. I love it. And to have that hard, not hard, that's the exact opposite of what I want to say, but to have that repository, I think is incredible. Um, and Xbox, of course, will continue this. And Xbox has also said that uh, their games are going to be co-released on the Xbox One for at least a year is what their Microsoft is saying right now. But everyone's excited about these, and no one's... But you know what? I don't hear a lot of people talk about the graphics. Uh, the, uh, the, the article in Forbes was correct. I don't hear a lot of people talk about the graphics because maybe we're not making that big of a jump, but we're still going to be seeing people pouring their heart and soul into the graphics that appear on the screen in these games. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I've never gotten the big deal about, like, just graphics being just top of the line. Well done, absolutely. Uh, it, again, um, I did a let, an unfinished Let's Play Forever Go on the Donnarum channel of uh, Secret of Mana, and I gush about the graphics in Secret of Mana. The, the environments they made in that 16-bit environment are just, they're, they're incredible, and they'll stick with you forever. The visuals of Zelda. Go to Etsy right now and type in Zelda merchandise, and look at all that stuff stylized on those old 8-bit graphics. We love them. We love 8-bit graphics and stuff like that. And believe it or not, people put work into that, man. They really did. And we still remember those to this day. How many of you are going to get onto Etsy and buy a doily with whatever was in Crisis? 
what was Crisis about? What what was that game? Was it a first person shooter? I remember everyone always talked about, oh, I can run Crisis on my machine, Crisis, Crisis, greatest graphics of all time. But no one gives a crap about that game anymore. No one. You're not going to meet anyone that's like a hardcore Crisis fan. If you have a Crisis tattoo on your forearm, take a picture of it, put it in the comments of this video, and prove me wrong. You don't care about Crisis. You don't. You don't like it because. While someone did work hard on that game, sorry, fellas, I know you worked hard on that game. But oh, Adam informs me there's a remaster coming out. So uh, I, you know what? Flood the comment section with how dare you? I love Crisis. Flood it because you know what? That's analytics, baby. Ring a ding ding, <laughs> make YouTube swing. Um, but uh, but do you get what I'm saying? You don't remember Crisis as fondly as you do The Legend of Zelda, or at the very least, even if you personally do, you must admit society as a whole likes The Legend of Zelda better. The original Super Mario Brothers games, do you know why people still play that original Super Mario Brothers game? Because, and that's where I'm getting to, that was the biggest leap in video gaming ever. More so than from fourth to fifth generation. And here's why. Uh, um, I know Hideo Kojima has mentioned this. Uh, he loves the game Super Mario Brothers. It was a huge influence on his uh, career as a game designer. Um, I believe he actually was originally in school for finance, believe it or not. Imagine the waste of that man sitting behind a desk at a uh, Goldman Sachs, which I just learned about a half hour ago talking to Adam. But uh, imagine him sitting behind the desk at a uh, Goldman Sachs branch in Tokyo, Japan. Imagine the waste. Thank, thank goodness someone talked him into going into video games. But, uh, so I don't know how many of you remember the Atari. Most of you could probably go back. You could probably go to Walmart and buy one of those like plug and play Ataris that plug into your TV for like 30 bucks or 20 bucks. Atari was neat. There's a lot of neat games in the Atari, but they were all one screen and not a lot happened. And suddenly this Super Mario Brothers game comes out. And I believe uh, I believe uh, James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, mentioned this in one of his videos. So I don't want to sound like I'm just taking the idea as though it was mine originally. But imagine the blowing of your mind when you're walking a character across a screen and it goes on. And it goes on and it goes on. And the screen is, in fact, stretched further than the screen normally was. Because in Atari, a screen was a screen. It was just there. there. There was games like Adventure where you could scroll a little bit. But for the most part, you were, just, you were staring at the entire game when you booted it up. This opened the way for the adventure we would feel in The Legend of Zelda. The Legend of Zelda was the first open world uh, exploration game ever. I mean, it was completely open world. You could go anywhere on the map, theoretically. And you didn't have any set order. You had to do the dungeons. There's an easier way to do it, but there's no hardcore set. This is what you have to do. You, you can walk into a dungeon without completing the one that sequentially happened before it by fluke or whatever. It, it could happen. It's theoret It theoretically could happen. That sort of adventure, the basis of what we believe to be game of what we believe to be gameplay, like the very idea we have about video games, was born on the Nintendo Entertainment System. The Nintendo Entertainment System was the largest leap in video game technology ever. It made it to where games were more than just an arcade game designed to steal your quarters that got sloppily adapted to an Atari that you would buy and play a crappier version of at your own home. Video games, people with artistic vision, like Hideo Kojima, like Yuji Horii, like Hironobu Sakaguchi, these men had a much greater canvas to work with with the Nintendo Entertainment System with 8-bit graphics. And uh, disagree with me, that's fine. That's fine. But tell me, 
that you don't have some of your fondest gaming memories or fondest images of games from that 8-bit era. Uh, and uh, if you don't, a few games I strongly encourage you to check out on an NES. Do not emulate. Donorom does not condone emulation. Um, there, was a, there was a fifth member of Donorom a long time ago. He emulated. Guess where he is now. So, uh, Sid Meier's Pirates. Better on the PC, but an amazing game on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Look at the scope of what you're able to do. You can do everything a pirate does. Everything a pirate does. Um, except maybe venereal disease. But everything else you can do in that game. Uh, the Legend of Zelda. Go back and forget everything you know about modern video games and play The Legend of Zelda. Put yourself in the position of that time period. And uh, just watch, just feel your mind explode playing that game. Um, Crystalis. Oh, Crystalis. Uh, an, an SNK treasure. I think it was just recently released as part of the SNK uh, anthology. Um, did you get the SNK anthology? Oh, yeah, they, Chrysalis is now on the Nintendo Online if you do the uh, Switch Online service. Guys, it, it's incredible. It's an incredible story that was told. Uh, Metal Gear, the original Metal Gear. Now, the NES version is not Hideo Kojima's final work. The final boss has changed and everything, and Kojima goes back and forth in interviews whether he feels it was uh, faithful or not, whether he liked it or not. But guys... It's not technical capabilities that make video games great, is what I'm trying to say. And I'm not just talking about graphics. I'm talking about anything. It is not It is a guy who sat down with an imagination and a vision. Um, and that leads me into a, a, another video. So I don't know what time I'm at right now. We don't really have a hard time limit on these. But, uh, I, yeah, that's what I just said. Uh, Adam has to be the boss. He has to tell, give me orders even when I'm giving myself orders. But uh, I, I've made my point, and I hope that you get it. Graphics, yes, respect the people that made these awesome graphics, but they're not the what makes and breaks. And what I truly hope people aren't excited for in this next generation of gaming, and I don't believe they are. I don't believe they're excited about new hardware. That's never what we've been excited about. We're excited about people we used to love making games, making even better ones, or watching a new generation of geniuses pour their heart and souls into a creation and giving us memories that will last a lifetime. Uh, video games are much, much, much more than the sum of their parts. They really are. Uh, they are the greatest artistic endeavor humanity has ever undertaken. And I mean that. I'm on, we're on episode 12 of Xenogears, episode 11. Eleven and twelve are done. They're they're coming. Please keep on the lookout for eleven and twelve. And we've talked for twelve hours about a video game. You know, it's it's incredible. It's it's incredible to me what video games do for people and what they can bring out of people and what people put into them. And it's so much more than what you see on the uh, than what you just see in a screenshot. So never reduce a video. Uh, if I have to put a title on this, if I have to put a thesis statement, never reduce a video game to a screenshot. And if you currently are, stop doing that and just watch your mind get blown by what else is out there. And uh, so if you enjoyed this, um, we want to, uh, we, we became some time ago members of the Rally Network of Podcasts, the Rally Network. Um, you can find links to uh, to us 
<laughs> I, I am proud to say, in uh, descriptions of our videos and things of that nature. Please go check out some of these other guys. Uh, they're not all video game guys. Some of them are just uh, other uh, forms of podcast. But uh, one, one of these guys in particular, we want to we want to sort of plug today. We want to give our brothers a helping hand there. Uh, I encourage you to check out uh, Keegan on uh, the Framework of Tomorrow. This is a uh, super cool podcast, and uh, it, it touches on something that me and Don have talked a lot about, uh, and that is uh, the dialectical materialism. Uh, just kidding. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Keegan is not leading a uh, socialist revolution. But um, what uh, uh, Keegan is doing is he's, he's examining events of the past, global history, and applying them to what could be done, what is being done, or what's possible about our future. Because... Um, you know the, the the, I mean any student of history will tell you that uh, the best way to if we can make a predictor on the future is to examine our past and that is precisely what Keegan's doing. Please check him out, and uh, if you liked what you heard on the show today, uh, give us a like if you're watching on YouTube, uh, and and if you want to hear more and you you want to make sure you don't miss it, uh, of course subscribe and, and click the bell. If you click the bell, your phone will be like, hey, Bo and Don or Don or Bo is on. Uh, check out what they have to say. Uh, but what I want to encourage you mostly to do is uh, please share us out. If you think that uh, your friends would enjoy this, if you think family would enjoy this, and even if you th just think they might, like you're not sure, go ahead and do it. Let them make that decision on their own. And uh, as always, stay safe, and uh, we hope to see you back here again.